Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together, we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app, for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I'm very excited to have Dr. Peter Peter Kozlowski, Dr. Koz, with us. Dr. Koz uses a broad array of tools to find the source of the body's dysfunction. He takes the time to listen to his patients and plots their history on a timeline, considering what makes them unique and co-creating with them a truly individualized care plan. Currently, he works with patients online and in person via his Chicago, Illinois, and Bozeman, Montana-based offices. Dr. Kozlowski did his residency in family practice, but started training in functional medicine as an intern. He trained in the clinics with leaders in his field, including Dr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Deepak Chopra and Dr. Susan Bloom. He is the author of Get the Funk Out and Unfunk Your Gut. Welcome, Dr. Kaz. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Absolutely. So I love the way you practice. It's exactly the way I do. So uh, let's launch into some of like the obstacles to cure that kind of keep people from getting better. Um, like the link between hormones and toxins, for example, is the example. Like what is that connection? Why do a lot of people not know about this? That's a great question. Um, so as you know, and and for at least for me, the way that I approach it, when I look for the underlying cause of disease, there's five main areas that I say that I look for the underlying root cause of disease. And they are food, gut health, hormone imbalances, environmental toxins, and mental, emotional, spiritual health. Mm-hmm. And in my first book, Unfunk Your Gut, I talked about diet, gut health, and mental, emotional, spiritual health. Mm -hmm. And so I I never really kind of envisioned writing a second book, but then um, I felt like when I started thinking about it, I I had unfinished business and I was like, well, there's two areas I haven't written about and they are hormones and toxins Mm -hmm. and hormonal imbalances. um, I would argue that basically every patient that comes through my office has some kind of hormonal imbalance and we can get into the different ones, but I can usually find at least one um, and usually more than one. But for people are always asking why, right? They come to me for the why, like, well, why are my, that's great that you figured out my hormones are imbalanced. My regular doctor couldn't do it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, but like, why are they imbalanced now? And my argument in, in this new book um, is, is that a major reason why is, is our toxic environment. Mm-hmm. And so when I say toxins, I mean, toxins can be classified. Basically, that's anything that um, is foreign to our bodies. But when I talk about and for me, in both of my books, I I really try to focus on the high yield stuff. I mean, there's probably a billion or more toxins that we can talk about. But I really try to focus on clinically what I've seen over the years really make a difference in people's lives. So. What I mean when I'm treating people for toxicity, the most common toxicity that I find is uh, heavy metals, Mm -hmm. lead and mercury being the most common. Mm -hmm. The second one is uh, mold toxicity from mold mycotoxins. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I then I kind of call it the all the other stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say one that's nationally catching a lot of attention um, is glyphosate. Um, which is uh, comes from Roundup. It's an herbicide that the national media is saying that they found in 80% of urine samples. I find it in close to 100%. Um, and then there's, again, continuing on with all the other stuff. And, and so it's what's in plastics, what's uh, on your clothes after you take them to the dry cleaner. Mm-hmm. One that I'm finding a lot that people don't realize is uh, organophosphate flame retardants. So they cover all your furniture in flame retardants. And I'm finding that in people's urine. Um, I quote a study that um, they found over 80 different chemicals or toxins in memory foam mattresses. And that's where you're sleeping and, and should be restoring. Um, I, in the introduction of my book, I go through my wife's morning routine of just going to bed and getting up and having breakfast and playing with our dogs. And the average woman is exposed to over a hundred toxins before leaving the house. And so that's bath and beauty products. It's your hair straightener. It's the hair straightening liquids. It's um, mascara and lipstick and all of that. It's the almond milk that we use to make our smoothie. It's the plastic that our dog toys are made from. It's the air that we're breathing when we go outside. Um, So we're under this onslaught, which is a lot greater than it used to be, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the one consistency that we have is that they're introducing more and more of these toxins into our environment. And then, you know, they're telling us that at you know, low levels, they're safe. And that, that seems to be how the powers that be keep getting away with this as well. Well, like, well, at this level, this is fine. And so a major way that I look at toxicity, um, because just coming from the traditional medical background, like, um, they hate this stuff. They, they completely like bash it. And, and, um, so, the argument or what I was taught in functional medicine is to think of it as your total toxic body burden. Mm-hmm. And, and the analogy that I've used, um, which I think I took from Dr. Hyman is, is that we're all born with a bucket and basically it's not just the glyphosate that is in your body or, or the chemicals from your mattress. It's the lead plus the mercury plus the mold plus the glyphosate, plus the SIBO and the dysbiosis and the candida and the, the your diet and then the stress and 
all of that leads to like my analogy is is that basically when your bucket overflows it presents as disease Mm -hmm. and the overwhelming majority of us don't know the worst i mean there's a lot of bad things about toxins but i'd say probably the worst is is like you don't know that the water you're drinking is full of of lead or you don't know that the fish that you're eating is full of mercury you don't feel it a lot of people with a mold toxicity don't feel like hey i i have this symptom. So that means it's mold. It's no, it's like I go to my doctor and I've been diagnosed with lupus or Hashimoto's or uh, estrogen dominance or low testosterone. Um, and they have no clue why, but it's like, well, for 70 years or 30 years or five years, I've been filling my bucket and that bucket has overflowed now into disease. And so the that's when I'm talking about toxins. Um, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Some of the major ones and there's four systems I would argue that are most affected by toxins. Um, and the, the one that I focus on in this book is the, the hormone system. Mm -hmm. Um, and so hormones in my opinion are very affected by toxins, um, cardiovascular system. Uh, Mm -hmm. in, in the book, I go over a, a patient who, uh, was on three blood pressure meds. And in a little over a year, we got all the lead out of his body and he's now on no blood pressure meds. Um, anybody with immune dysfunction. So the immune system is very affected by toxins um, and the nervous system. So uh, working with uh, families of autistic children or children of parents with dementia and, and, and everything in between. Um, those are the four systems that I've found to be the most affected, but at the end of the day, when our bodies build up with toxins, um, all of our cells are affected. And, mm-hmm. and so the mechanism is, is, is that the toxins are fat soluble and we can get into detox and what that is, but, um, they, all of our cells are surrounded by fat. So those toxins can get stored in that fat and then they start creating cell death. They cause the mitochondria to die and eventually the cells die. And then that leads to imbalances. Mm -hmm. Um, so that the, when I was training, um, Dr. Susan Blum, uh, who, wrote a great book on thyroid health. She, she was a thyroid expert. She was a, um, Hashimoto's person herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she taught me to think of the thyroid as a sponge for toxins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, so the, it, just thinking about it, like, let's say that my body's been accumulating a bunch of lead and mercury and mold and glyphosate, and it's getting stored in my thyroid. Mm-hmm. And then I'm one day diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease mm-hmm. and I go to my doctor and they're like, I have no clue why, you know, it's just happening. It happens to a lot of people. Um, your immune system has identified your thyroid as an invader. So it's attacking it. Mm-hmm. Well, you can make the argument that if these toxins are getting stored in the thyroid, then it kind of makes sense that your immune system is attacking it. It's actually trying to do its job which is not really helping you. Um, but it's in theory, it's really doing the right thing by trying to get rid of this toxic thyroid. It's kind of a Trojan horse. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
So um, in your practice, how do you go about identifying what are the toxins that are affecting a particular person? So history, um, you know, listening to what, what somebody does for a living, where they've lived um, with mold. My screening question is always you. I learned very quickly that you can't ask someone, have you been exposed to mold? Um, yeah. They'll pretty much always say no. Right. Um, the screening question that I've learned is, is that have you, do you live in or work in, or have you ever lived in or worked in a building which had water damage? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because of the way mold grows, basically water equals mold. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've learned as a screening question. So mold is something that I don't test everybody for. Um, I, I try to focus on people that have, you know, that usually they they don't know that there was mold, but they know that there was water um the the really interesting thing that i found is is that i've worked with a number of people over the years that are like well i live in a brand new construction i have not had any water but when i was a kid my parents basement used to flood all the time mm-hmm. and we test them and they still have huge levels of mycotoxins in their body um and so mold is something that i again i, I just test people that sound like they have an exposure history or if some, if we're just desperate and we're looking for answers, we'll, we'll run it if somebody wants to, but, um, heavy metals, mm-hmm. my argument is, is that everybody should be tested mm-hmm. out of all my functional medicine labs that, that I can order, whether it's stool testing, organic acid testing, SIBO testing, toxins, hormones. If I could just pick one test for anybody, for a person that I didn't know anything about, I would personally pick heavy metals because Mm -hmm. I'm finding heavy metals in the majority of my patients and nobody had, I mean, basically nobody has an exposure history. The the only exposure history that I'm really seeing consistent is um, people that work in like mechanics. So Mm -hmm. like the highest levels of lead I've ever seen is, is a, uh, in a mechanic from O'Hare airport. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, a normal lead level is one. And I use, we could talk about the type of testing I use. I'll treat anybody that, that hits around eight or nine. His level was 140. Um, Jeez. so that, and then the, the, the patient that I wrote about in my book, he was a truck driver. Um, and so a lot of exposure there, um, but otherwise, um, an interesting, uh, couple that I had was I had a couple, um, they were in their sixties and they tested at the same time. And he, the husband had grown up in Nigeria and the woman had grown up in Chicago. And we all thought the three of us that he would test super positive because there's not like the environmental protection in Nigeria Mm-hmm. as there supposedly is here and he tested completely negative and she came back through the roof um just growing up in chicago um so there's that's the one thing that that um i i like i said i would test everybody for and i i would start that testing um when women come to me for like pre-pregnancy planning that's the first thing that i'll do because heavy metals or any toxins can cross the placenta. 
So our exposure starts before we're even born if mom had high levels. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that that testing of heavy metals should start from the age of like three or five, because when I do find lead or mercury in someone, they're like, well, when did it get here? And all, all I can tell you is, is whether it's coming in now and how much is in there, but I, I, without, you know, a history of testing, I I have no clue when it got there, but people always want to know. So I would test everybody for heavy metals. Um, And glyphosate has now for me crossed into that category of, I test everybody, I recommend everybody should be tested because I just not even like maybe two weeks ago, I had a, a person who's really been focused on eating organic for five, six years now. And and she came back with a huge glyphosate level. Really? Um, yeah. And do you have any idea where it came from? Was she like using Roundup or something? Um, I mean, it, it, the organic farms can be right next door to non-organic farms. And, and you hear farmers saying that, Hey, like this is seeping into my soil, you know, and it's getting into my crops. Um, I think one that people don't really realize is is cotton is one of the most sprayed um, crops. And mm-hmm. so we're wearing it and, and you can absorb it through your skin, through your clothes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's everywhere. Like they've used it for so long uncontrolled without, you know, with just telling everybody that it's safe, that um, I think it's just kind of become ingrained in our, in our soil. And so it's in our food. So, um, glyphosate is something that I test, um, the other toxins and and I pretty much all of these I'm doing urine testing, but, um, so for like the earth, we can test more herbicides. We can test the organophosphates. We can taste, test the plastics. Um, that's another one that I could argue that everybody should be tested for, you know, if we're talking about preventative health or, um, trying to figure out the root cause of disease. Um, this stuff is just so prevalent that I, I, I personally think it makes sense. I mean, and then if you test negative or once you detox, then to me, in my opinion, it, if you don't have new exposure that buys you, you know, a few years of testing. <laughs> right. Um, but if somebody hasn't done it and they, they're trying to learn about their health, I mean, you know, what I was taught, you know, as a family practice doctor is basically like your yearly CMP and CBC, like these most basic blood tests that are totally useless and maybe a TSH. Um, that's not, I don't know, that's not what I'm doing. And that's not what I think we should be doing as a um, healthcare society it, it is like, we should be looking for the stuff that's underlying Absolutely. Makes sense. So um, you talked a little bit about thyroid. What are some of the other ways that your hormones can be disrupted by all of these toxins? So the biggest hormone imbalances that I find, number one, the most common is thyroid disease, and it is Hashimoto's. Um, And then the other ones are not necessarily in order, but just my top five are the thyroid, the adrenal glands, um, which I think are more affected by our mental, emotional, spiritual health, but toxins aren't going to help any of that. Um, so adrenal glands, the pancreas and insulin, um, mm-hmm. 
I don't see many blood sugar issues. Um, personally, in my practice, most of people that are coming to me have like been pretty strict already with their diet. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I was in a traditional family practice office, I, I mean, it, pretty much a hundred percent of my patients would have blood sugar issues. So that I, I do write about that because it is a, a really big deal, especially with the whole COVID situation and the risks of, of blood sugar and COVID. Um, and then it's the reproductive hormones. So for men, uh, testosterone and for women, uh, estrogen dominance and, and estrogen progesterone imbalances. So those are kind of my, my top five that I see the most frequently. And that's where I say out of those five, if I, if I don't find anything in any of them, I can usually find some adrenal gland imbalance that that's where I say that, um, you know, pretty much everybody that comes through my practice, I can find some kind of hormonal imbalance. Sure. Yeah, definitely makes sense. So, um, somebody's, somebody's listening and thinking, oh my gosh, the world is a toxic soup. What do I do? (laughs) So what are some top steps that you can give to kind of, you know, at least decrease ongoing exposure for the people who are listening? So in the last chapter of the book, I go through basically how to like clean up the house. Um, I, I would say the best resource is, uh, ewg.org, the environmental working group. So a lot of people have heard of the dirty dozen, which are known as the the 12 fruits and vegetables, which are the most toxic. Um, So people have seen that list, but a lot of people don't realize it comes from ewg.org, the environmental working group. So that's a nonprofit that's basically doing the work and studying these toxins. And they are putting out new resources like all the time. And so you can go on ewg.org and type in your deodorant, your um, makeup, mm-hmm. your hair products, mm-hmm. um, and you can get toxicity ratings mm-hmm. um, on your the stuff that you're using. So EWG is, is a, a really awesome free resource for people to lo- start looking at like, hey, what this daily stuff that I'm touching and, and eating and drinking and using, what, what, what should I get rid of? Um, but I like to keep things basic and it's, it can be as simple as peeing, pooping and sweating. Amen. Yes. So, um, I, I like to, you know, detox what, when we talk about all these to- toxins we've talked about, they're fat soluble, like I said, which means they're stored in our fat. So our primary detox organs are our skin, our lungs and our gut, because those are the physical barriers preventing these toxins from getting in. Right. And so, but when those toxins cross, right. So if you have a leaky gut, if your lungs aren't healthy, or if they're just too much exposure, your skin, the toxins get through, they're now in your body. And so they'll get stored in your cells. But lucky for us, the first place that the body sends those toxins is to the liver, which people most know of as the detox organ. That's kind of the most famous detox organ. The liver, what it does is through what's called phase one and phase two detox makes those fat soluble toxins water soluble. And once they're water soluble, they're sent to the gut and through the kidneys and we 
poop them out, pee them out, and sweat them out. So that's why peeing, pooping, sweating is really the key to detox, right? If you don't have access to this testing, you can keep it very basic because if you're not moving your bowels every day, that the stool that's being created is sitting there. And for most of us, it's full of bile, which is full of toxins. And so that if if we're not excreting every day, then we're going to be reabsorbent. Right. If we're not drinking enough water and we're not peeing, we're we're not going to be flushing that out, and that stuff's going to be reabsorbed. And then sweating is is a is another way where we can help excrete those toxins. So, for somebody that's worried and like, what can I do? That that would be the most basic stuff is drink half your body weight in ounces. So if you're 160 pounds, 80 ounces of water a day. If you're not moving your bowels every day, unfunk your gut, as I would say, <laughs> in my book. Um, and, and, you know, get your gut right first um, if you're trying to detox. Um, and then figure out uh, uh, what kind of exercise routine works for you. And um, I talk in the book um, quite a bit about infrared sauna. Infrared sauna is, is one of my primary tools for detoxing mold. Um, but that's something that you can do to sweat if you're not exercising. Um, so those, those are three things that somebody could do that will help you detox. Yeah. Awesome. And I've actually noticed, I'm wondering if you found the same thing that a lot of my patients that say they don't sweat very well, tend to be more toxic because obviously one of the main, main ways to eliminate. So Whenever I hear people tell me that I, you know, teach them to train their body to sweat. You can just, you know, listen to it and sit in the sauna for five minutes and get out. If your body says get out, but the next day sit there six and the next day sit there seven. And then after about three, four weeks, your body figures it out and you actually start sweating pretty well. And then you can actually open that amongtory and now we can really begin to detox you. So absolutely. I love it. That's great. Totally agree. When I, when I see in someone's history that they're not sweating, then I'm really thinking toxins. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. So is there such a thing as hormone balance? Like what can we shoot? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a funny question. Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I do, I like to do everything objectively. So I, 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 order, I run labs. I, I don't like to guess. I say that's where I'm lucky in my job is, is I like to show tests. So with the thyroid, um, you know, we can look at the range of your TSH, your free T4, your free T3, and argue that then we can get your thyroid optimal, um, whether that's naturally or through the use of thyroid medicine or thyroid replacement. So one thing I, I always like to say is I, I, I don't like to just rely on labs. So to me, it, it also depends on the symptoms. Like if your thyroid is in range, but you're still having symptoms, we're going to keep working on it. Um, cause maybe you need to be at the higher end of the range. Um, the adrenal glands, I like to use saliva testing, um, for cortisol. And I have seen many patients that, you know, when we start, uh, their cortisol curve is very imbalanced. And then, through work on the mental, emotional, spiritual part, we see a more balanced uh, mm-hmm. cortisol curve. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with insulin, you can definitely just through diet, get your insulin optimized, which will optimize your blood sugar. Um, with testosterone, that's my own story that I talk about in my book is I, I have low testosterone. I was diagnosed very young. Um, and for me, that requires either supplements, medication or testosterone replacement. So I have not been able to get my testosterone up naturally, um, but I can get it in an optimal range um, through the use of different tools. And then with women with like estrogen imbalances, um, I use progesterone replacement. Um, and so I, I'm personally, you know, there's, there's a spectrum in, in the medical world of traditional medicine doctor, totally alternative medicine, right? There's a, right. you you interview people all the time. So we're all on a different spectrum. So I, I fall closer to the middle of traditional and alternative in regards to like, I'm not like if your thyroid's low or if your testosterone's low or if your progesterone's super low, I'm not against hormone replacement. If it's going to, you know, if we've tried to balance your hormones naturally and we can't, I, I don't have a problem personally with a, a hormone replacement if it's not doing any harm, you know, that if there's something out there and, and a lot of them are now bioidentical, which means biologically identical to our, what our body should be making. So a lot of that toxicity is gone from them. Um, I'm not opposed to, to using hormone replacement. A lot of patients that come to me are, you know, totally anti any kind of medication and, um, but it could be difficult. I mean, when the, 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 I know from my own low testosterone, like it, there, there's not a lot I can do besides take either a medication or, or a testosterone replacement to bring it up. And what is your, like, what do you conclude about that? Do you feel like there was just some toxic exposure when you were young that probably caused irreparable damage? Is that kind of how you, you assume that that happened? Uh, so I'm in recovery. I'm, uh, uh, recovering alcoholic. So I had many years of binge drinking, which came, brought many years of stress. So my adrenal glands were shot. Um, and then I found pretty, uh, significant levels of lead in my body that I don't know how long they were there. Um, it, I think it's a combination of those factors. Um, you know, and it's unfortunately when it comes to all of this, like, I can find lead in your body. I can find mold in your body. I can find glyphosate in your body. I could find low testosterone. I can find low thyroid, but I can't run a test to prove, you know, hey, it was the lead that caused the thyroid or it was the mold that caused the low T. Um, we're, we're, we're doing correlation, right, of, you know, well, hey, this stuff shouldn't be in my body. Hey, I know this stuff can get stored in my hormone producing glands and it causes cell death. So maybe the combination of all these things ruined your testosterone production. Yeah. And, and, and I, there can be a genetic component too, you know? So I, 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 in regular medicine, they're obsessed with kind of like this equals that, right? Like, all right, if you have this, then you have diabetes. If you have this, you have high blood pressure in my experience, it's that bucket analogy. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. And then next thing you know, there's an imbalanced hormone. 
Yep, definitely makes sense. So you've alluded a couple of times to the mental, emotional, spiritual component affecting the adrenals. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of how you approach that with a patient in terms of trying to get that back into balance? Yeah. So there's a screening question on. So when a patient comes to see me, they fill out 40 pages of intake paperwork before the visit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, and, thought and my- I go through that all before the visit. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's a question that I always look at first and, and it's the first, there's two questions are back to back and it says, do you have too much stress? Yes or no. And can you handle it easily? Yes or no. And when somebody answers, no, I don't have too much stress and yes, I manage it easily. That's when I know that their adrenal glands are in trouble. Wait. Okay. Expand on that. What do you mean? They're in denial. Um, So like they're handling something that they say isn't there. Is that what you mean? Yeah. They're, they're, they're basically saying like, I mean, I, especially over the last three years, I think we all have too much stress, but I, I mean, I thought that even before the pandemic started, but um, so I don't believe anybody that thinks that they don't have too much stress personally. And I've been wrong. There's been, I think one or two people that proved me wrong on this, but, and that's over a lot 10 years of doing this. Um, and I don't believe it's easy to manage. I, I don't, I I don't know. I mean, like I said, one or two people where they legitimately, they proved me wrong. Um, A very interesting non-official thing that I, I mean, I've seen, it's not, it's a, I I do studies in my practice. I I mean, I just like, but it's more in my head. I remember. And so what I've found, and I love to do adrenal gland testing um, is the more that someone tells me that they're stressed out. So if someone's telling me like, Hey, like I'm going through this, I'm going through that. And it's like, you, you hear it all. And you're like, wow, their, their cortisol is going to come back through the roof. Mm -hmm. These people are testing normal or close to normal. And the more that someone tells me, no, no, everything's fine. I have, my marriage is good. My kids are good. My job's okay. Like everything's fine. The more imbalanced they come back. They're stuffing basically. Yeah. Ah, Interesting. That's very fascinating. So, um, I came, you know, the mental, emotional, spiritual part, when you train in functional medicine, they have this thing called the matrix that, that it's all these different things that we look at, like the stuff we've been talking about, like the gut health and the mitochondria and the toxins and all of that. But at the center of it is the mental, emotional, spiritual health. Right. And, and most practitioners, you know, patients forget that part and, but even most practitioners forget that part. Um, and for me, I can't forget that part being in recovery. Um, so that part of it with my own life experience is, was very present and me being a perfectionist, I, when I started practicing, I mean, I, We've had been very blessed with a lot of success with a lot of patients, but I would only focus on the people that weren't getting better. And and that's all I thought of. That's all I think about. Like, that's just perfectionism is, is tough. It, it's a gift and a curse. But so I would focus on, you know, what, you know, the, these people that aren't getting better, what, what's the overlying theme? And for this kind of came together, how my first book came together on gut health, because 
I, I was taught in functional medicine, start with the gut, start with the gut, start with the gut, start with the gut. That, that, that is that's their- just what we're ingrained. <laughs> right. um, and so that's what I would do. And I would, you know, catch candida, I would catch SIBO, I would catch dysbiosis, low stomach acid and, and these conditions. And, and I would give people the same treatment plan. And in some people it would work and some people it wouldn't. And so I was like, what, what's going on here? And, and I started realizing more and more that the piece that was missing in those people where it wasn't working was the mental, emotional, spiritual side. And so in unfunk your gut, I get into that whole gut brain connection and, and how the sympathetic nervous system affects the gut and stops the gut from working. Um, and so when we're constantly stressed out in that fight or flight response, our, our gut doesn't work. And furthermore, the gut will never heal. Doesn't matter the amount of supplements you take. So a lot of people that come to me want to get out of the traditional medical system, but then they come to me and they're like, well, just figure out the right diet or figure out the right supplements and, you know, I'll be fine. And, and that's not like the, the mental, emotional, spiritual part is the most important part. Um, and you can't, and in this book, I get into it in the adrenal gland chapter and, and even in detox, I mean, you won't detox as well. You shut down your detox capacity from, from constantly being in sympathetic overdrive. So, um, how do I get people to work on it? Most people don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh huh. Yeah. Most people, um, shut down, don't come back. Um, don't want to hear it, deny it, or we'll like, you know, be like, yeah, yeah, I'll work on it. And then they'll just order supplements. Um, so it's, but that's where the magic happens. I mean, that, that, that's like SIBO is, is the most common condition that I treat. Um, and I wrote the chapter on that in the first book and, but a question for, you know, SIBO is very difficult to treat. I'd, I'd argue it's one of the most difficult things to treat and I've been pretty lucky, but, um, it's the men when people are like, okay, I'm, I'm healed or, you know, it's gone. How do I make sure it doesn't come back? And my answer is always focus on your mental, emotional, spiritual health, and that'll keep your gut healthy. Obviously like try to stay off of antibiotics and, and, you know, keep a clean diet, but that stuff's easy compared to, you know, and again, most people are just like, well, I don't, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> like, so yeah. it's, I'm a little more blessed in my practice in the sense that like I, my, I, I advertise that I'm Christian. A lot of the people that come to me come because uh, they either are Christian or they're spiritually open. So I can have that conversation with them. It, they're usually a little bit more open to it, but the people that don't identify with that, with any sort of spirituality, I hear you. That is very, very difficult. And the people, even if they, they do have a spiritual practice, if they're emotionally suppressed, like what you described, some of the only techniques that seem to work for my patient population is homeopathy. Sometimes that, if you get it right, it'll open things up and then they'll begin to be able to, you know, come up and they'll be, be able to process it. But I always explain like when you take the right homeopathic remedy, it's like opening a door, but it's up to you whether you walk through it or not, they can shut it back down if they want to. So if if you get them to that place, I've noticed, and, and they're willing 
but yeah, if they're not, that's tough. That's really, really tough for sure. But it's huge. for. I mean, and being in recovery, like I don't judge, I know how difficult it is. Like um, one of my therapists over the years said like changes as easy as like ripping off your own skin or peeling off your own skin. Um, and my, I, I went to like a, an, semi inpatient treatment for six weeks. Um, and that was the first time I ever been in like therapy. And, and I literally was stomping my feet in my first group therapy group, my, my first therapist, I'm still in touch with her. And, and this was a, a long time ago, but like, I was literally stomping my feet. Like, that's how much I, I, and like the first, um, thing that we were supposed to do in group therapy was like, say how we were feeling or name an emotion. And like, I knew one, which was either like happy or I guess two, happy or sad or like getting what I want or not getting what I want. And I was in my late twenties at this time. So I, I get, you know, I, I've been through a lot and I get how difficult it is. So I, I know, I mean, I, it's painful. It's painful to look at. And in my opinion, it usually starts with our parents. Um, it's painful to look at that. It's painful to start peeling that back. Um, but, you know, we're talking about the root cause of disease. And and in my opinion, that's where it starts for most people is um, it, the a definition that I learned is uh, that's different than a lot of people have heard is trauma. Um, trauma is anything less than nurturing. Mm. So for, for many people, they, when I say trauma, they're like, well, you know, I haven't, experience violence or war or things like that. Well, trauma could be as simple as like coming home from school and, and showing off your homework, but your parents are not paying attention. That that can be trauma. And that sets off the signal of I'm not good enough. That shuts down your gut and you're five years old and, and you're 25 all of a sudden and you get diagnosed with Hashimoto's or lupus or, and it it's that it started as just trauma. And so to me, that's not everybody's story, but um, for many people, it, it starts with that, shuts down the gut, and then you've got a gut that's imbalanced, then you've got this toxic environment. So then you're getting leaky gut, you're getting, you're absorbing toxins, your microbiome's imbalanced, then you start eating bad food, you introduce alcohol or, um, and, and, you know, it, it starts early. I think in a lot of people yeah, and yeah. that digging is painful. That's, so I get it yeah. to anybody listening. Definitely true. Definitely true. So um, one of the things that I hear all the time and you probably do too is, well, I should just expect this because I'm getting older, whatever it may be. So what are the kinds of things that we can just expect with age? Does that even play into any of this? Um, I mean, for women, I mean, you can expect to, you know, eventually your body stops making estrogen and progesterone and that that's normal. Um, but I think for the stuff that you're kind of talking about, like, you know, for the people that are having, you know, whether it's like joint aches or headaches or not sleeping well, or, you know, they start getting rashes or, you know, for a lot of, you know, that's the stuff that doesn't have to be normal in my opinion. Like, you know, so those kind of symptoms there there's usually a reason why they start um because they can start when you're five or they can start when you're 70 but um 
you know, the with men, most men will their testosterone production will go down. But I, I've tested men in their 60s and 70s and uh, been so incredibly jealous. I'm like, how is your testosterone so high? It's not fair. Um, so um, that's not I don't know. I've seen an, enough men older that, you know, that it's not necessary that your testosterone will go low. But um, cholesterol you know, that's something that so many people are getting diagnosed with high cholesterol. It doesn't have to happen. So I would argue that most of this stuff doesn't have to happen, um, that people are dealing with. Yeah, I agree. I've noticed that. I just think it, it's a function of how long you've been on the planet because the planet is so hot, so toxic. So you're going to accumulate, there's more time for possible damage. There's more time for trauma. There's more time for toxic overload. And so I found that in my practice, usually the kids are so vital. It's usually not that hard to get kids to throw off any sort of, you know, toxic baggage and move forward. But for adults, the older they are, you know, there's not always, but there's usually more to unpeel. So I can, see yeah. Yeah. So is there anything I have not asked you that you want to make sure that you leave with our audience? Uh, no, I feel like we've hit some, the, a lot of very, very, very high yield stuff, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. So where can listeners go to learn more about you? Um, my website is the best place. Um, it's doc-cause.com, D-O-C-K-O-Z.com. Um, I have, uh, and my books, um, there's a link on my website, but, um, they are unfunk your gut and get the funk out. And they're both funks are spelled with a C. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, we used to have a saying at my practice that we put the funk in functional medicine. Um, so that's where the titles came <laughs> <Love> from. <it. laughs> um, so my books are, you know, I, I've put, my years of experience into my books and, and high yield things of, of about all of this stuff that I've mentioned. Um, I have a Facebook page. That's my name, Peter Kozlowski, MD. Um, mm-hmm. And then an Instagram that is uh, doc underscore cause. Uh, I'm not very active on social media, but mm-hmm. uh, trying to be, I guess. Awesome. Well, I will link in the show notes to your website and to your books. And thank you so much, Dr. Cause for all your time and your wisdom. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there. Looking for a holistically minded healthcare practitioner who truly treats root cause rather than symptom suppression? Unfortunately, even in the alternative healing professions, this isn't a given. That's why I've created WholeHealthDoctor.com, a resource to help connect patients to healthcare practitioners in their area who share a root cause philosophy. Alternatively, most of the practitioners listed also practice telehealth. So if there isn't anyone local to you, you can still find a great practitioner to help you regain optimal health. Go to WholeHealthDoctor.com. That's Whole healthdr.com, type in your location or just the specialty that you're looking for and find the practitioner who's right for you. Thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you. So please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows.
For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren Deville. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. Hey there, it's Carly Mercouli, your host of Therapy and Theology, a weekly podcast that explores popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.